I am going to hit record. And if this conversation's great, like they usually are, we just turn that into a show. So do you go by John or Jonathan? John is fine. All right. Everyone out there listening, we are speaking with John Comstock, director of IT at Burger Chevrolet. Is it burger? Like literally burger? You're going to say a little French, Berger. Berger. Berger Chevrolet. Berger Chevrolet. It's always better at Berger. We'll, <laughs> we'll, get, uh, we'll get our kit or uh, advertisement. It's always better at Berger. The, it's always better at Berger. I am a Chevy fan. I did send you a picture of my Chevy van that is... I took it in for its inspection the other day, still going strong at a hundred and seventy seven thousand miles. And uh, I'm a big fan, and I want to know Berger Chevrolet, why I cannot get a Chevy thirty five hundred express van that can pull the weight that it used to pull. I have a feeling that the chassis is still the same and it can pull the weight, but for some legal reasons, we now say it can only pull five thousand five hundred pounds. Um, because here's the thing. I have, again, eight kids, and if I want to pull a 33-foot tra- trailer behind that thing, I must buy a Chevy pickup truck, which I have no problem doing, and I would love to do that. But I don't think you guys have an extended cab that will fit eight children. So thus my dilemma. And this is an IT show, by the way, everyone. <laughs> this, is- this is an IT show, but, and I do not know the technical answer to... Uh, Express 3,500 not being able to pull, you know, more than 5,500 pounds, which is quite surprising because my 1,500 Silverado was rated for 12,000 pounds. Yes. So maybe the four-wheel drive gives it a little bit more. Um, we would, I would gladly put you in touch with a specialist <laughs> that can answer those questions and, and order you a van, but good luck getting one anytime in the near future. Thus, well, yeah, this is why I just keep rebuilding my, I keep rebuilding the one that I have. I've repainted it. I have ripped up the floor. I've sprayed the bottom with bed liner. I've redone all the rims, tires at least three times. Let's see, what else have I done to this thing? Welded in a, another seat in the back that can fold up and down. I have redone the headliner. There's a lot that I have done to this van. The I still you know, want we have crate motors all set ready to go. You can basically put them in, plug them in, and hit the key and roll. So nice. it's a matter of getting parts. We we also have a website we ship parts directly to. There we go. That's GM Parts Now, if anybody wants to know. A little more advertising. GM that. Parts Now. GM Parts, parts Now. now. Yep. What's it like being That's IT? The- What's it like being, you know, you've been at Berger for 19 years, so there's got to be something fun about being in IT at a Chevrolet, at a Chevy car dealer company. It must be family-owned. Let's see. What else can we get it's, into? It's more, more family-owned. It's, um, you know, I started here as a contractor. We pulled up. I used to be... Me and a buddy started a networking business. We're going to pull some cable, set computers up for people. Yeah. We pulled out the Berger Chevrolet because they heard through the grapevine that we were the guys who could do it. And they said, okay, we're going to tear down this building, put everybody out in trailers, and then rebuild the network. Can you guys do it? We looked at each other and like, yeah, sure, we can do it. And on the ride home, it's like, you know. How are we, how gonna, are we gonna do this? You know? <laughs> classic, so, classic. Just say yes. Yeah, just say yes. Sure, we'll do it. No problem. And so, uh, me and another guy, we had two homeschooled 
high school kids that mm-hmm. worked for us uh, part time. Perfect. And they helped out, and we uh, we came in here and moved everybody out into trailers. And at that point in time, they had five PCs on dial up, about thirty eight green screens on wow. serial connections. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was about nineteen ninety eight. They built a new building in about 2000. Uh, we built the network here, pulled all the cables. And then, then um, yeah, 2002, April 1st of 2002, they said, do you want a job? Because you're here all the time anyway. So Yeah, yeah. So did, um, how old was the homeschooled, how, home, how, how old were the, the, the homeschooling workers at the time? Because I have a similar situation were, right now. Yeah, they were 17 and 18. Um, oh, that's perfect. So mine's 15. and Levi and Isaac, we would, uh, I'd drag them all over. Uh, we did a lot of work on the weekends when mm. we had the networking company. Nice. We specialized in car dealerships. We'd go in and cable car dealerships, and I'd run the job. My partner would sell the job. I'd take the two homeschool kids with me. We'd go in and cable it all up, get it all done. And, uh, you know, sometimes Saturday and Sunday all day. And then we would run, you know, service calls through the week or do jobs where we could work during the week. Um, Nice. uh, My wife keeps yelling at me because I take my son Gabriel and I'm like having him do work. He's like, dad, how do I learn this? And, uh, She's like, you know, he's not doing his schoolwork because you keep take, keep taking him off the job of schoolwork. Anyways, um, okay. We went from green screens to, um, let's see, green screen, old old green screen, a few computers on dial-up to fully networked car dealership. How did that change things? Do you remember? Where people were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Or they're like, I don't really care. I got well, a phone it, in my desk. It was amazing because we were we were doing it for some other people, uh, setting up networks and getting ripped away from the, the net. And we found that uh, GM used to require their own network and own network cables for their equipment. So that meant you had to have two PCs sitting there or two network cards and a PC. Well, you know, the magic of VLANs and different things, we figured out that, hey, you really can run them over one network card. So we saved these guys, network, uh, the car dealers, a lot of money through that process of putting it all on, on one network. And so how did it change? Well, when I first started here in 2002, we ordered 44 PCs uh, for the sales staff because they wanted to bring in a new CRM. And then we fired up, you know, 44 PCs on this new network. And and CDK is a company that car dealers use for their dealer management systems. Um, they held the, the string of hold on the network for a lot of years. And then finally, I'm like, no, we can do this much better. And so... Um, probably four years ago, we went completely Meraki and gutted the entire closet and put all the Meraki switches in. But it's it's gone from when we first had bandwidth in here, you know, we had, we'd have a T1, 1.44 megabits per second. 
And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll bump it up to a cable modem. That's like eight megabytes per second. And now we're running SD-WAN with, you know, a gig circuit in here and a 200 megabits per second backup. So I'm getting about 600 to the desktop now. So speed of things have changed. <laughs> How does that change being... Just from a car dealership standpoint, because I've I've worked with numerous car dealerships in the past, and I grew up. Uh, my first job ever in technology was was um, actually selling uh, dynamic was selling t- dynamic allocation via Cisco IAD over a T1. So and we'd have this great presentation. We're like, you know, you're getting a T1 and it's so awesome because when you're not on the phone, you can actually use that bandwidth at the same time. We don't have to have a, a fractionalized T1. This is this great new technology, right? And uh, they're like, well, what about this Comcast uh, cable circuit that's coming in? They said that that's like six megs. Like, no, 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 this is a T1. <laughs> but um, yeah, how, did, uh, <laughs> how did... You it sound it actually sounds like you were a, a car dealership or group of car dealerships slash company that was ahead of the curve as far as technology goes. Could you see a, a difference in in sales or production or I mean, did you guys were you able to to map that out or you know did you get more data? Well, the the growth has just been phenomenal probably the last ten years for sure. Um, one of the things that I, I really want to say about our owner, uh, Matt Berger, is that he's an incredible guy. They've been building muscle cars since 1965. If you ever do any the research on Berger SSs, there's a, okay. a storied history out there. And so I've always felt like it was my mission to build a network that would match one of his muscle cars. Oh, man, you got so, right in his head. That's perfect. I just, uh, it's like, okay, this is what we got to do. We got to be the fastest. Um, you know, we have, we have redundant UCS chassis here on site in two different parts of the <laughs> campus. We are only one location, um, but it's 22 acres. So we have a couple pure storages with those UCS chassis. Um, you know, he's not afraid to let me invest in the dealership and make it things easier for the people here. And, you know, when COVID hit, we, we had to figure out how to e-sign. That was the first thing I did when I went home. It was like, okay, how do we get people to be able to e-sign here? So technology was just completely driven mm-hmm. that we're down. Is that to, are you saying people were buying cars online, like signing for like stuff online? Like what was the e-sign? Yes. We're at a point now where we can sell you a car in Maine, or Connecticut, send you the documents, you can e-sign them, and then we just ship you the car. Um, and a lot of those, you know, a lot of different stuff happens where you have to wet sign a contract. Some of Michigan's, um, and some of Michigan's banks uh, will only allow a wet signed contract, but we will come most of those where we can now e-sign a contract and have it fully funded and you know we sell cars all over the place you know so before you'd have to send a driver kind of like carvana does bring hmm. car drops the car you sign the paperwork driveway but now we can east sign that how are you guys dealing with the uh, clearly there's a shortage of new cars yes or no yes 
the car business is changing for sure. And is it still that way? Are we are our used car sales up? Are the prices up? The premiums up? This is all yep. what I'm being heard. What I'm being if told. If you can, if you can uh, not buy a used car right now, um, I would suggest you drive what you have if you can, because prices are up. Mm-hmm. That being said, we are still selling a lot of used cars. Uh, we're selling, you know, I think in October we got 135 new cars in, and we sold 135 new cars. So yeah. the car business is changing. Now you basically want to order. They're ordering what you want, and then it's being built. And then when your car gets here, it gets here. So if I order a new car now, how long? This is perfect. It, it's good and bad for you guys. It's it's bad from the standpoint of, I guess, volume sales. It's good from the point of, do you want this I really or not? I want to say how long, because I, I don't truly know, but um, that's kind of how it's happening I yeah. just truly don't know how long it takes. You know, I'm kind of waiting on the, I would like to have a ZR2, the Silverado ZR2, and I can't even order it until probably January or February of 22. So even though it's a 22 model. Mm. Mm. But, uh, so how did you, what was your first experience with technology? What was your first computer? Considering you've been at Berger for 20 years, <laughs> what was your first computer? I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I, my first experience was playing hangman on a teletype in junior high library against Western Michigan University. Uh, we <laughs> play hangman. We, you know, the ATDT command, attention dial tone put the number in for the university You'd call the university you'd pick up and then you had to call up the hangman program and we'd sit there and play hangman. And it'd be like a minute before you found out you got the letter wrong, you know, sometimes, but then in about 10th grade, we got uh, Apple 16 K computers that we were saving our programs on cassette tapes, regular cassette tapes. And then the next year we got Apple 256 K color and with a floppy disk and we thought we were going to rule the world mm. five and a half inch floppy by the way so um, yeah i remember that so uh you know back then i i did a blackjack program that was about eight pages long got really good grades in that <laughs> and also asteroids we mimicked asteroids that were in the arcade you know we I actually built that one and a lunar lander as well. Um, so that's my earliest, and that was probably 1981 was my senior year in high school. So older than probably, you know, most people here. But uh, And then after that, I kind of always had computers as a hobby. My first personal computer was a 286 that I bought, uh, used from a car dealer, actually. <laughs> Hmm. for 50 bucks and I brought it home got it to work it was it said BMW on a splash screen but it was old and archaic and reformatted that and got it on uh, Windows 3.1 I believe it was win.exe to load yeah I mean it was it was super old school my first uh, my first new computer I bought was a, a Pentium 133 uh, Packard Bell, and it was just a horrible, horrible machine. I mean, it had a whole 16 megabyte RAM. 
Um, but it had back then they had like Packard Bell library over the operating system. So it was kind of, it was wrapped in its own Packard Bell dude. Trying to so, create, trying to create sticky, sticky customers or trying, what was the point of that? To try and make people fall in love with Packard Bell? Yeah, so you had like a library. And, <laughs> and it made and them hate it, it and said, we hate you. It was actually a picture of library. Your, your room there makes me think of that because you would, oh, yes. if you wanted a document, you would go to the bookshelf or if you wanted yeah. to go search somewhere else, you'd go out the window type thing. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty horrible. And that lasted about a month and a half. And then I just reformatted it to, um, to Windows. Yes, for everyone uh, and for for everyone that cannot see my library right now that I'm sitting in, I uh, COVID was beneficial from a housing standpoint of me being able to sell a house and buy two houses for the price of one house. So when you look at houses during COVID, you look at I, I got the, I got handy with kind of fixing and flipping things like by mistake. I never really was like I'm gonna do this type of thing. But uh, for whatever reason, I became handy at redoing kitchens for my wife that she really loved her dream kitchens. And then having people say, Hey, we'll buy this house from you for like way more money than you actually paid for this house. And like, just because of the kitchen, they're like, yes, like, sorry, honey, say goodbye to your dream kitchen. (laughs) And uh, I mean, (laughs) so, and then when you go to look at buying another house, they're all ridiculous. Like if you were to buy a house, like the house that you just left, so instead, I buy these older houses that, for some reason, are half that price, and then build the kitchen that you want. You know what I mean? So you are looking at a very old. I think there was even some asbestos on one side of this house. Um, an office right off the kitchen, which it has this. You, you can't smell it, but you can smell that old wood smell. I know you can smell it. You know what I mean? There's like this like smell of this old house in here. So yes, this is going to have to be. This is going to have to be gutted, but it doesn't make it doesn't make dissecting popular IT nerds look very futuristic whatsoever. It looks like I should have that Packard Bell on the back and sitting on the desk in the background. I want to make yeah. a lab actually. I kind of want to get all these old computers and and just have a bunch of them just so I can re-experience what it was like. I don't even know if I'd be able to load. I think if you gave me one of those old Apple II Cs with the double disk drive and like you said, Phil, load up a word processor, type something, save it on a disk, and then print it out on this doc matrix printer, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I think I'd have to read a book. What scares me the most is I've probably forgotten more about computers than I know because the one thing I found nowadays is I have to learn something every single day, mm-hmm. you know, new about the network or about how applications interface or, or security has been the big push the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. I don't learn something new every day. I'm not doing my job. And so I've forgotten a lot of that, that basic coding. And, you know, I know it was fairly simple stuff back then, but, you know, I've forgotten most of that. And it's, it's kind of sad in a way. It is, yes. Like, why? Why do we have F one, F two, F three? F why are the? What are these function keys? They're still there. They're still there well, on the CDK keyboard. CDK still uses them. The yeah. CDK DMS, the yeah. card, but that's pretty old. That's is kind it of DOS based. Old. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh, it, it is based on Unix. Actually, they they came a very very long way but the old school stuff was red hat wrapped in a thing they called reality 
and that gave you all the F3 team <laughs> functions and and the F1 and the F2 for detail and F9 to search and you know so F4 to cancel. People don't think about that, but we got people here that are keyboard literate and they buy parts, sell parts, all with those F keys all day long. Uh, what would you say is the hardest thing? Uh, I, I there's f- four to five things that an IT director deals with that could be difficult. One would be training end users, uh, dealing with legacy silos, upgrading stuff. And I'm I'm not trying to steal this from anybody, but I did hear it from somebody else, and it's protecting users that don't want to be protected themselves. They don't want to do the training. They don't want to, you know, learn why, you know, how they can be fished or. Okay. Uh, so how do we protect those even. people? What do we do with them? Force them to dual factor authenticate? Oh, what do we I don't do know. I'm people? thinking about it. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> do we whip them? I, uh, I've been taking in sending out fish campaigns. And when somebody fails it, if they fail it more than once, I personally go talk to them. And I'm getting to be a little bit of an old scary guy around here just because I've been here so long. And, um, You've been you know, fished. I just go talk to them and say, this is why you shouldn't click on stuff. Please don't click on stuff. Um, do you realize how long I have been here? Do you realize that <laughs> I built, <laughs> I built the chassis. <laughs> that this- I built this network. Please don't break it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. As you can tell, we, uh, you're handing out, we've gone all knives from- on a plate. You're sending them fishes wrapped in newspapers. You've been fished. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I might use that. One of my favorite things to do when they don't lock their computer is put a, uh, I'll Google Richard Simmons images and put it all the way across their computer and then lock their computer and walk away. So as soon as they lock their computer, they have Richard Simmons all across their computer. I will humiliate you yeah, all over so. the planet. <laughs> can we, what other things, what other fun things can we do at work in an environment where HR is our friend? Um, so the, you talked about challenges and security obviously is a whole new challenge. And, you know, we've spent on security with between cameras, more money in the last two years uh, than we have in the prior five years. Are you saying physical security? Like when you say cameras, you mean physical security? Yeah. Like Meraki cameras is what we've been. Okay. Okay. And why? uh, Well, we, we had guys coming in with, crowbars smashing hmm. you know smashing showroom doors out coming in to get keys and you know and then going did the back security help car. for real and just and like you never found the car again or did they get caught well, and because they're stupid and you just don't no, do they that always and, get caught they always get caught eventually but uh like one crew was so smart they they took a traverse a beautiful chevy traverse brand new ran it so hard jumping it I don't know, reverse slams or something, basically took the transmission out of it by the time we got it back the next morning. And so Hmm. we bring it back on a tow truck. So they still have the keys. Two nights later, they come back in, break into the fence, find this car, 
try to steal it again, but it won't even make it across the parking. Huh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, they people were pretty are, rampant. People are bold. That, and, and they got caught? I mean, they had, did they get caught? We're going to well, say yes. Well, some of them got caught. Yes, we did manage to, you know, apprehend some perpetrators. But during COVID times, we would talk to the police and he said, well, I seen six stolen cars on the way over here. And I'm like, you don't chase them? He's like, no, that's what they want. They want you to chase them. Really? Yeah. So, I mean. Well, there is, that's, that's another conversation. That's like. Uh, that's completely another conversation. But that's yeah. one of the challenges IT somehow gets involved in. Just okay. Cameras. So we don't talk. I've, I haven't talked about security cameras much, but it's it's come up recently because uh, I sit on I sit on the uh, board or administrative staff at other places, and people are like, "Phil, what should we do for security cameras?" I, like, I don't know. Let me call a couple of my vendors. We'll put up security cameras. I've had people break in. I have a friend that has a food truck. The uh, the um the generator got stolen off the back of the food truck. You know, all chained on and everything like that. And we have the guy on the security camera. But it's not like a 4K camera or anything. So people always put hoodies on and stuff like that. So yeah, how, what do you do? Customer. Like, what do you do with like, how do we make security cameras effective? I'm a real big fan of having a lot of them. Um, we've gone <laughs> to 75 of them. Uh-huh. And we have had a few instances where like my network admin, one of his chores or, you know, time fillers is he'll look in the middle of the night to see if there's any motion on the cameras. And uh-huh. We had we had a car out in the employee lot that was sitting there overnight and a guy pulled right up next to the car, gets out of the car, crawls under to see if the converter's still there. You know, he's reaching back up to like he's going to go get a tool and then he looks up and sees the camera and he's like, oh, maybe somebody's watching and he drove away. So... <laughs> That's probably our biggest success. So deterrent. Story. So deterrent. Uh, deterrent. Yeah, we've had we've had guys walk through the lot with jacks, and you know they like to steal wheels a lot of times off the high end stuff. Um, so we've had look right up at the camera, you know, and knowing you're not going to do anything about it. You know, I'm so. trying to find the guys that do the the construction sites too, because the construction sites have the cameras that when you show up inside, they're like, you're being filmed. Like the cops, the, the, the cops are being called now. They have like the, like the automated voices and stuff that turn on. That's a paid service. There are people out there that will do that for you. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So. The, uh, you brought up a good point. I pay my other staff to look at the security cameras at night. What's your general philosophy on not not IT leadership from the standpoint of selling IT to upper management because you've done a very good job doing that. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, painting the picture and doing a very good job selling IT to as a muscle car to people that build muscle cars. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's beautiful. You know, that, that, that metaphor alone is making it fit in with the, just the dream. It's not even, it's not even just the vision of the company. It's the dream. Um, We've, yeah, we've, we've come to the conclusion that we'd rather pay, you know, a million dollars upfront for, you know, IT services in a few years than pay any, you know, bad actor you know, a million dollars for a ransom. And I hope I'm not setting myself up as a target here, but 
we try pretty hard to uh, to you know keep security at top of mind for sure. And and when I do send out fishing campaigns, I must say my phone will ring off the hook most of the day, depending on when somebody's is this real? Is this real? Hey, I got this. I got this. You know, email. Is it real? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like well, you tell me. That's what it's about. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been that's been worthwhile, but talking with the owner, he's he's adamant about whatever we can do to keep this place up and running and keep people working faster, make their job just as easy as we can. He's all in. And and it's and it's worked. We've had even with COVID, we've had three record years in a row. Mm. So uh, was there anything from the standpoint of, well, obviously IT faster, faster, better, stronger, bigger, better, faster. Um, was there anything from a web standpoint or web sales or anything that you guys did working in conjunction with marketing or anything like that? Well, we do have our own marketing department and they, they do a, a wonderful job. Um, probably our one of our biggest success stories, and it's been probably almost eight or 10 years now as GM Parts Now, you know, we decided we were going to start on online parts sales. And we thought, well, if we could get, you know, $10,000 a month off there, we, we'd be good. Um, mm-hmm. And then within a year, we started getting $10,000 a day. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, three or 400000 uh, a month off that. GM parts now. That's wild. That's so wild. It's uh, it's really ballooned. Um, was there and our wholesale business? We're the we're the biggest wholesale distributor for GM parts in in Michigan now, or at least this side of the state, for sure. So, um, uh, if you had any piece of advice for other IT guys out there growing up in the business, maybe. I don't know what the equivalent would be to networking somewhere else now, but uh, is there any general philosophy or anything that you take that would be helpful to other people growing up in IT? Don't let the job get to you and don't be afraid to say your piece in the, in the conference room or write to the owner. You know, there's, there's been times where I've uh, sent the owner an email, even though the CFO is my boss and say, you know, I kind of need some help with this. I don't, I don't feel like that this is happening the way I'd like to see it. Uh, can we talk about it? Don't be afraid to do that, to take that chance. Um, it's important to you know who you're working for. And I, I know it's hard for big corporate places to do that, but if you, if you're working for the CFO and you can't tell him straight up how it is, maybe you're not working at the right place. Um, so that being said, I've been here, you know, 20 years and, and they keep me around for some unknown reason, but uh, <laughs> I also seem to, you know, I kind of joke that it's the IT department, not necessarily IT, it's electricity runs through it, somehow it's John's job. So, um, but just be open to keep the cash register open is, is the other thing I could tell somebody younger, you know, identify where that cash register is. For us, it's it's F and I, it's the service drive. It's the parts guys that are selling stuff. And if that cash register is open, you know, make that your number one priority. Make sure that the business can get done. Cause if the minute that cash register, you know, register isn't open, then 
somehow you failed the, you know, the purpose of, you know, the guy that's paying your way. So, you know, they say IT doesn't make money, but I, I kind of disagree. Just shut all the computers off once you'll, you'll see IT makes money. Yeah, keep the cash register open. That's a great metaphor. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, um, you know, any last piece of advice? Um, yeah, make sure you reach out to your, your fellow IT guys, talk to them. You know, I'm friends with competitors around town and we talk about the car business and how that goes. Uh, so it's, it's helpful to see their point of view too. You don't always know what you're looking at. So make sure you talk to other people and, and see what they see as well. That's always helpful. Yeah, talking with your competitors is, I, it's, it's something I tell people to do, but I don't think we've ever t- actually talked about it. It's, it's vastly uh, underrated. It's kind of like why people go from Microsoft to Google and Facebook to Twitter and ex- why, uh, how did Netflix all of a sudden hire a bunch of people for and pay them five times more? Um, I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but it's, it's, uh, important to learn from learn from your peers because they do they might do things something something a completely different way or might know something that you don't know right have a piece of knowledge that you might not be on might be aware of well you don't know what you don't know right so that's the big point you know i like the it guys as friends as you know colleagues but mm. do I want their business to fail? Absolutely. Hey, I think you should, um, yeah, I think you should buy this router and, uh, yeah, and <laughs> but, uh, as far as, as far as them personally succeeding, that's, that's what oh, I'm yeah. about. I, I'm, yeah. I'm here to help people when I can. So, uh, is there an end game for the, the, what's the end game for most, most people in IT? Retire with a pension? I don't think so. Is it? Well, I got a number in mine, and you know, <laughs> about uh, you know, I, I just turned uh, fifty-eight this year, and so I'm kind of hoping to you know get another five years in here at Berger, and that'll uh, that'll give me a twenty-five year chip, and then I kind of want to go around and do some consulting. So that's I guess that's my end game, but uh, you know, I'm not going to retire a rich, rich man, but I'm going to be okay. You, know? you don't know that. You don't know that. I Something kinda, could happen, you know? I kind of did what you did. I bought a lake house for 140 grand, you know, in 2007. Uh-huh. Um, a bunch of trees fell on it. We decided that we need an architect to look at it. So we, we rebuilt that house uh, basically over itself and this during COVID, we added a kitchen and a three-car garage. So now my wife has her dream kitchen, and uh, I have a five-car garage. So Sweet. all is happy, and the house is probably worth four times what we paid for it now um, in 2007. So we're kind of glad about that. So my kids will be happy, you know, when I retire, retire. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I pass on. When I pass yeah, on. <laughs> Yeah, if you heard any of that construction in the background, yeah, it's my my barn that's being that I'm. I the house that I bought had this huge kind of like this guy that had this weird little manufacturing facility in it, so I'm turning it into a, a massive gym and a jujitsu studio. So that's what nice. I'm doing with that. So, um, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, GM, thanks for having me. GM GM parts now. What, what do we have to buy from? 
GM Parts Now is our online parts, and we will ship anywhere in the continental United States. Uh, our record, we will ship to military bases. They ship a Corvette glass to a guy in the military in India. That's the record. Oh, wow. Uh, That's a so record. So we need pretty to... high up. Huh. He's got a Corvette over there. So Corvette in but... India. So we're trying to beat Corvette in India for anyone out there <laughs> listening. I do. When I do look at it, I have some like Russian people listening to my show somehow. If I look at the map of where people listen to this. So there's we, pro- we are not allowed to sell out of the country. Uh, <laughs> How'd we get it? There's some, there's some guys that have you shipped to, you know, ports, but once the final sale is done, we have... Can we ship you know, to a base in Dubai that's like an Air Force base or something? Can we do that? <laughs> Someone in Dubai... As long is as it's a military... As long as it's a military base, we can ship to it. I have a friend yeah. on the, from the Air, in the Air Force on a base in Saudi Arabia. Maybe we can... You know, we're going to beat this India. Let's see. We we're going to figure out a way to beat this somehow. We, that, could, we could send him something, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, uh, BurgessChevy.com, of course, was... Uh, you know, in 2002, we used to write that in Word. So that's one thing about being old. You know, we used to write that in Word and then upload it to the uh, the, the website. And uh, and now they, I don't, I don't know. It's all magic now. I just watch them do it. They, they, the marketing girls take care of all that for me now. So that's that's been a big plus. We used to put the inventory up in a, a data access mm. file, um, and now the inventory is all. Live, live and magical, dynamic. Yeah, we have to say feed. if we say dynamic, it sounds more technical. So okay, dynamic, dynamic T one. Yes. We have a dynamic T one. I like so, to say it's all smoke and mirrors, and I'm just glad that they're all pointing in the right direction. So. Yes, sir. Thank you. And so the, so the lesson of the show is fish people and send them a dead fish wrapped in newspaper and lock their computer with something embarrassing on the screen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah.